Hey everybody, welcome along. It is episode number three of the Motor Focus Model Podcast. I'm Aaron Noonan in the studio. Down the phone line is Dimitri Camino, my co-host from Motor Focus in Queensland. Uh, Dim, welcome. We've made it to Web3. Uh, plenty of news in recent episodes. We've got lots in this edition of the podcast with new releases, um, some just-arrived cars. We're going to talk Monaros on the second-hand market. Uh, there is a fair bit to get through here, but are you well? Are you fit? Are you going all right for episode three? Yeah, hi, Aaron. Yeah, it's good to be back again. And, um, yeah, plenty to get through today. And how good was it to see supercars back racing on the weekend? All good. With the uh, new formats and rules and all that, I thought it was great. Yeah, fantastic to see with... The tyre mixing it up a little bit too. Nick Perkett getting a win for Brad Jones Racing. Scotty McLaughlin with a couple of wins in the Shell V-Power Mustang. So uh, just great to have racing back for real without it being a computer game on TV. I think you will agree and all of our listeners will too. And of course it gives us an opportunity to talk about model cars now to connect to the racing. And uh, let's get stuck into it. There's a lot to cover off in this third episode. A quick thank you to everybody who has... Uh, listened and subscribed to the first couple of episodes. The feedback through the Motor Focus social channels through mine uh, as well has been fantastic. So we'll keep on bringing you these every fortnight with all the latest and greatest in model car news. Uh, Dim, let's start with what's just arrived from Classic Collectibles. And if you're a, a Holden fan, there's a bit to be interested in, particularly for 118th models. Uh, there's an EH Holden Ute. Yeah, there sure is. It uh, was one we were all really looking forward to uh, getting and it arrived and it didn't disappoint. It's a fantastic model, really well detailed and um, I had to give Classics a call and tell them how good of a job they did and so we're very thankful for that. So that's the uh, the blue EHU with the GMH parts logo on the side of it and uh, I do believe that the next one in that range will get announced probably in the next month or so. Okay, any bales of hay in the back optional for that one? Not at this point in time, but it's, uh, <laughs> hey, we could see what we can do. Ah, well, you never know. Hey, uh, or a dog. A dog, yeah, that, that's definitely the go. Uh, we talked on the last episode about the Craiglands Jamie Winkup Bathurst car from last year, remembering that the Red Bull Holden racing team celebrated Holden's 50th anniversary of factory competition at Mount Panorama uh, in their Red Bull 888 car. Uh that's arrived, which is great news in all scales, 18th, 43rd and 64th. Uh, but we've also got a little update on the Shane Van Gisberg and Garth Tan, the number 97 car that finished runner-up. Mm. And there's been a bit of conflicting news and stories on what's happening from classic collectibles with that. But you can get us to the bottom of what's been going on. That car we said was not going to be made. Uh, it will be, though, but only in one scale. Well, thankfully, it is getting made. And um, there's been a bit of confusion about this model. Um Originally, they did uh, drop the 43 and 64 scale off the production line, and I think with all that, the world got a little confused, and um, we've had emails over the last couple of months clarifying it wasn't getting made, and now uh, saying it is getting made. So a call this morning confirms that it is definitely getting made, and we should have that in in stores uh, next month. So fans of the Red Bull Holden Racing Team can have both of those Retro liveried cars from last year, of course, the uh, the Van Gisbergen Tander car finishing a very close second to the Scott McLaughlin Alex Prema uh, Shell V Power Mustang GT, which we covered off uh, in the podcast last episode with how things were going from Authentic Collectibles with that car. Speaking of all things Authentic, Dim, they've uh, announced uh, they've got a, a bunch of new releases as well. They've been pretty active in the last few weeks. 
she'll have. Uh, so last week we had our delivery from Classic Collectibles followed very closely by Authentic Collectibles. So uh, we got smashed in our uh, little warehouse. <laughs> Good point so, to have. Yeah, got plenty going back out. So we've got the, the four Erebus, uh Bathurst, or sorry, the two Bathurst cars from 2018 with the lovely chrome sort of paint on them, uh, the gold and the and the red for uh, Anton. Also released was the 2019 season cars. So also we've got the 143rd scale Scotty McLaughlin's 2018 championship winner, also available in 164 scale. There's a few more 164s to get through here. Uh, also, the Shell V Power Racing 2018 season cars in the 164th of both drivers, coming along with the Will Davidson's 23 Red FGX as well. Also, Matt Stone Racing's Todd Hazelwood's car. And to round out the 164th that we received were the Sandown retro livery cars uh, from 2018. And that's of the Shell retro cars? Yeah, correct. Correct. Yep. No, that's great. Yep. There's a something to keep the Ford fans really flowing there with the, the the last of I guess the FGX Falcon models before the Mustang GT starts to arrive. Hopefully later in the year, as we covered on our last episode. If you haven't listened to the Motor Focus Model Podcast before, jump on and subscribe. Have a listen back to episodes two and episode one uh, to cover off some of those things. Uh, we didn't mention this at the very start of the show. But next week, Dim, in episode four, or next edition in a fortnight's time, I should say, we have a special guest on the pod with you and I. Uh, we will explain all of who it is later in the show, but can you give us a hint? Uh, well, he's been in the game a very long time, coming up 20 years. So um, you can uh, mention his name soon. Okay, okay. That narrows it down just a little bit, but most people who are in the model car industry have been in it for a long time, so it helps, but it doesn't really help. Uh, <laughs> now, new announcements. Uh, Bianti's wheeled out a whole pile this week. A uh, couple that really caught my eye. Uh, the Holden Sandman VF ride car uh, has already been released in its original livery when it was first rolled out in 2013 with the silver uh, predominantly liveried car. But remember, though, they changed the livery to a metallic blue later on. That's how Daniel Ricciardo drove it at Sandown for a Red Bull promo. Uh, they've confirmed they're going to make that in 112th, 118th and 143rd from Bianti. So the great thing is with that uh, Sandman tooling, they're going to get a few different versions out of it because later on, of course, they changed the livery again and put a rear wing on it. Uh, and the turbo engine was tested in that mm. car as well. So we will see a few iterations of the Sandman, I'm sure, over upcoming years. But uh, great news for FPV fans, a 118-scale FG uh, GTR spec in the kinetic blue, uh, a Ford XB Falcon GT sedan in polar white. These are all in 118th. Uh, for Brocky fans, 118-scale, 78, Sandown, Hang 10, 400-winning A9X, Tirana, Holden Dealer Team hatchback, and uh, HSV GDSR Maloo, Sting Red, all-new mould, die-cast with opening doors, bonnet and rear hard cover. So Bianti's got a few things there that are going to get people uh, really excited. There's some cool stuff in their, in their announcement list this week. Yeah, I really like the uh, the new livery on that Sandman uh, ride car, the, the metallic blue. If you're not sure what it looks like, definitely jump on our website and uh, find it there. And like you say, all three scales again. But I really like that uh, HSV GDSR Malu Ute that Bianchi's going to do. It's all new mould and, like you say, full die cast with all opening parts. It's definitely one to really um, 
look to pre-order, and they'll also do that in the 143rd scale as well. Yeah, that's really good stuff. There's plenty going on from Bianchi Model Cars, who, of course, have got such a, a long history in the industry. You mentioned the website, motorfocus.com.au. Uh, you can join the Motorfocus newsletter through the website, which uh, there's a great reason to do that, because if you join the club, uh, you get a discount. Happy days. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who wants to pay full price? That's what I say. <laughs> uh, 5%, 15% for me? Oh, look, it's a, it's a 5%. That'll that'll help keep our doors open. But don't forget, yeah, we only charge $10 Australia-wide for postage, whether you buy one model or 100. Buy 100. That'd be good. Be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, I like it. Hey, what isn't good, though, a bit of news also from Bianchi this week, Dim, in that they've been forced to can uh, some of their supercar models. So um, they've gone out to pre-order on a range of uh, these cars, but... Um, unfortunately, that's been tweaked around. But, I mean, I like to look at the glass half full and half empty. So remember, of course, that Gary Rogers Motorsport left supercars at the end of last season after a long period uh, in in the championship. So Bianti and GRM, they decided to can the 2019 start of season models that they'd previously announced because they felt that by producing the last round cars from Newcastle last year, being the end of the GRM era, that was a more appropriate uh, model to create for for last year. But Bianchi's had to cancel production of a heap of 64th scale Commodore ZB supercars just because they just didn't get near the minimum order quantity. So I know they're pretty um, apologetic that they haven't been able mm. to get to that, but that's, I guess, the current scenario that if the orders aren't there, they just won't make them. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, unfortunately, that's the way it's had to go with the 164 scale um, little holdings that they, they were planning to do. But I guess the good news with the GRM in the 118 scale is they're, they're, they've cancelled two of them, but they're, they're adding the Newcastle liveries to replace it. So instead of collectors sort of being pressured to collect all four, they can they can just concentrate on the on the two best ones. And, and they, of course, the, the final two ZBs, the uh, James Golding car and the Richie Stanaway car, the GRM have retained those uh, racing the real cars, the one-to-one scale models at GRM, and I think they're restoring one of them to Garth Tander's last uh, main game car. In fact, I think it's going back to the, remember, the retro livery, and I think this car's available on your website, the uh, orange livery that he and Chris Pither drove at the Sandown 500 a couple of years ago, which mimicked the Tirana A9X hatchback that Gary had driven, uh, what, 40 years earlier in 1978. So... Uh, Always like to slip in a bit of news of the real race car world versus the model race car world. Uh, but they've got some new uh, Commodore ZB supercar announcements, though, uh, Dim, in both 118th and 143rd. And if you love your retro Sandown round, uh, I'll try that again. If you love your retro Sandown round stuff, uh, there's plenty there to keep you interested. And I reckon you're going to try to quiz me here, aren't you? You're right. I'm going to. So the new ones in the 118th and the 143rd scale are the. Uh, great-looking Sandown retro liveries. Um, so I'm going to mention what they are, and then we'll see if you can sort of tell us what they were based on. How does that sound? Yeah, okay, I, I like a challenge. Go on, right on. Try <laughs> All me. right, so the first two is the Walkinshaw Andretti United racing cars, uh, the number two car of Pine Luff and the 22 of Courtney and Perkins, the Sandown retro liveries. So... What were they based on? Uh, they were based. They this is so. This is the car that had the predominant boost mobile 
backing down the side. So these are the 2018 cars off the top of my head from memory. Uh, and they were based off HRT from 10 years earlier, 2008, that toll HRT uh, white and almost like a fluoro red that Garth Tanner and Mark Scaife drove. So uh, they ran those cars at the Sandown 500. Uh, Brad Jones Racing, they are always good for a retro livery over the years, haven't they, at Sandown? And, and, and some of those are coming out soon too. Yeah, correct. They uh, they get right into it, which is great. So there's uh, there's the three cars that they've got coming out of uh, Percat, Blanchard, the Slade and Walsh and the Jones Canto Sandown Retro Liveries. And um, you can tell us what they were based on. Yeah, they were last year's cars, so they're a bit more fresher in my brain, so it's probably easier to do. Uh, Percat and Blanchard were in a Fujitsu number eight car, although... Fujitsu hadn't been a BJR sponsor. They had been uh, previous backers in the sport through Gary Rogers Motorsport and McLaughlin at Stone Brothers in DVS and uh, and that kind of scenario. So um, that was a very familiar livery. And then we had the Tim Slade Ash Walsh car and the the Macca Jones Dean Canto car mimicking the Aussie male cars from the Falcon era on Commodores, which is always a little bit different. Uh, one of them, of course, being the white livery that Brad Jones used to, to drive and the black livery that John Bauer famously drove when he drove for that team as well. They'll be striking cars because BJR always does a really good job of their, their retro liveries every year and they put a lot of thought and time and, and effort into deciding what they're going to do. Yeah, and look, I love in... Uh my collection, getting the original car and the new one and sort of putting them side by side. It just makes a really cool display. I agree. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, the last Sandown retro livery that uh, they've announced is the Irwin Racing number 18 Winterbottom Richards car. Now, it's got a interesting sort of retro livery, hasn't it? It, it does, but it's not a Australian livery. It's not a supercar livery. Of course, Irwin's been in the sport before. Remember that they were naming rights backer of a Falcon with uh, Brightech, Jason Bright's team with uh, Marcus Marshall back in the day, and uh, Alan Gurr spent some time driving at that team as well. Uh, but this is actually an Irwin NASCAR livery. I think from memory it was the Kurt Busch livery from, what, 10, 15-odd years ago, so bringing a bit of NASCAR to uh, supercars. And I think when you haven't got a retro livery of your own to really run from back in the day, if you can borrow from your sponsor offshore, then... Uh, it's definitely going to be something that uh, is well worth doing because it means that people got something to to connect it to. Um, you mentioned too before we mentioned the GRM Newcastle cars, the Richie Stanaway and uh, James Golding cars that will be produced as the last GRM supercars. Uh, they're also on the list coming out as well. So uh, there's a big range there of um, really interesting ZB Commodores that aren't the regular Joe Blow season car. So retro livery, last of the run for GRM. Uh, there's plenty there that I think collectors will jump on. Yeah, definitely uh, worth getting amongst them. And uh, they've announced some new pricing to go along with those guys as well. So your 118th will be 229 and the 143rd scale will be $88. But, of course, if you Let- join the Motor Focus newsletter and join the club, you can take 5% off there. Absolutely. Yeah. Jump on the website, motorfocus.com.au, plug, plug. Hey, speaking of uh, new announcements, Authentic Collectibles have been really active in the last couple of weeks, and we mentioned on the podcast last episode exclusively, it was really exciting, and the the feedback and the response in the the week or so after was great. Uh, They are producing the Nissan Bluebird Turbo uh, Group C Touring Car Bathurst Pole Sitter of 1984 
George Fury, Gary Scott drove that car in the great race. It's a 118th scale uh, sealed body resin version. Uh, they're also doing a really funky limited edition bluebird print that uh, Tristan Groves, who's the artist at Authentic Collectibles, who's done a lot of work with me over the years as well, uh, has put together. It looks fantastic. It makes a really great pair. And I think that's something Authentic have always done well in not just doing the model car side of things, but they link it well to other products at the same time. So uh, I think there's a bunch of Nissan fans who are absolutely champing at the bit to get their hands on that Bluebird. Yeah, there certainly is. Our, our, the response to that uh, car when we put it out for order has been huge, uh, which we kind of expected. Um, so, but, but to match it up with the limited edition print will be a really cool um, thing for people to grab as well. Yeah, there's a lot of love for those Group C era cars and of all of the Bluebird turbos, the pulsating car uh, from 84 is definitely the standout. Uh, 2 minute 13.85 was the lap time around the mountain. And of course, that's before uh, the chase was introduced. It was the lap record for qualifying for touring cars for uh, some time. Authentic have also announced some retro liveried cars. So Bianti have got some retro stuff. Authentic do too. The 2017 Shell V-Power DJR Tim Penske Falcon FGX is from the Sandown 500. Scott McLaughlin, Alex Prema, number 17. And Fabian Coulthard, uh, Tony Delberto, car 12. And a lot of our uh, followers and our, our listeners might think, hang on a minute, they didn't run a retro livery that weekend, but there were some tweaks to that car that made it different from the season car. There, there, there is. Now, I'm a bit vague on it, but I think it's the uh, logo on the bonnet and the roof. They yeah, reverted correct. to the original. Yep, the original pecton of, of shell. So uh, a little. it was retro without going full retro and having to re-livery and sticker the entire car, but it did uh, make things a little bit different. So that's something to stand out, and I'm sure that if you're a DJR Team Penske um, collector and fan, you've got to get those for the collection. You can't let those slip by. Yeah, definitely. Uh, back in uh, that era, people asked for them all the time, and uh, we were waiting and waiting for someone to finally announce them. So good on Authentics for uh, going back and plugging that gap. And speaking of some more retro stuff from Authentic, uh, they're doing some more Erebus Penrite cars too. Yes, correct. Uh, I believe it's the 2018 uh, retro liveries of uh, both the Reynolds Gildan and the Degas. Pasquale Brown cars. Yeah, these were cool because uh, Dave Reynolds with Luke Yulden in car nine, uh, they ran the chickadee, chicken livery that uh, Alan Grice and Graham Bailey used to win Bathurst in 1986. Uh, and from my memory, they got pole position for Sandown uh, that weekend. And the sister car of Anton Di Pasquale and Will Brown, as you mentioned, car 99, it also had an ex-Graham Bailey chickadee livery, but it was the livery that he used on the little Toyota Celica uh, from the early 80s at Mount Panorama. So um, I think they'll be big hits. And, and that's where Erebus as a team, I think, have done a great job in the last three or four years. They've been very, very committed to... They've supported the retro round really solidly with innovative, fresh, great thought-out uh, historical uh, liveries. They're not afraid to do things that are different. We've seen the Kiss cars in recent times. Well, sadly, we didn't get to see Kiss at Newcastle, but we saw uh, the Kiss cars. Uh, and they've always mixed it up and always looking to do something fresh and different. And I reckon it's it's Erebus and I think BJR that I look forward to most to seeing what they're going to wheel out for the, the Sandown Retro Round. I think that'll change this year, Dim. Would you probably agree, given the way of the world, spending money on extra liveries and wrapping is probably the last thing on the minds of 
a lot of supercar teams at the moment when they're just trying to get themselves up and rolling. So this might be the last little chance for a while uh, that we get to see a, a glut and a, a solid run of retro liveries for, for supercar teams. It might be only one-offs here and there along the way for a, a Bathurst or something special. Yeah, I think that might be the case this year, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how the season rolls along. But, you know, Erebus are doing a great job uh, with their fan base and, you know, we've definitely seen an increase in people collecting and um, requesting models of, of the Erebus team. So I, I can't see that changing. they got two really good regular drivers that are popular and it, it definitely... Um, you know, comes across in, in the, the numbers of models being made. Yeah, look forward to when they get around to doing the Sandown Retro cars from last year with that fantastic JPS livery. And I know we've talked a lot of Holden, uh, Commodore ZBs in the last little while, but good news if you are a Ford fan, uh, they're going to wheel out a, a Mark Winterbottom Bottle 04 that's actually quite special considering where his career's ended up. Yeah, I thought this one was a little bit uh, strange when I first saw it, and but looking at it a little harder, it's it's a it's a great livery, and uh, it's of the 2016 Auckland Super Sprint uh, race winner that he had. And is that his last race win? It was, yeah. With, with Tickford, uh, the Bottolo car, he was the reigning champion, car number one, having won the title in 2015. So yeah, it was his last win uh, with the team. And uh, of course, he's been with them for such a long time in that period, for a decade through its I think they changed the name of the team three times. He was there that long. Ford Performance Racing, Pro Drive Racing Australia and Tickford Racing when he finally did decide to move on. But, yeah, I think that's cool. Um, let's hope that's not his last championship race winning car, but it's certainly his last with Tickford and it's his last Falcon win. So that's a really nice addition for uh, Authentic to wheel out. Hey, let's talk classic collectibles for those of our collectors who probably like their 60s and 70s classic touring cars a little bit more. They've announced four new models, and one of them is a Bathurst winner, and any time you say those magic two words, that's surely got to get the ears and attention of plenty of collectors. Yeah, exciting. Uh, in the post this week, uh, we received notification of the 1965 Bathurst winning Cortina, the GT500, and uh, driven by uh, Seaton and Bosworth. Now, this is a really cool mould that Classics have uh, developed with the opening bonnet and doors, uh, but it will also complete people's Bathurst winning collections. Apart from, say, last year's Mustang, uh, that will make every every Bathurst winner done in 1.18th once it comes out. So something really cool to look forward to there. Yeah, that really does fill a hole for so many collectors who've been uh, waiting for that one to be filled. And what I've seen this week, uh, we're talking about a 1,000 units being produced to that one available uh, at the end of the year. So that's a, uh, one to get in and pre-order too. If you're a Holden fan, uh, good news, Tiranas, L34s, there's three of those Bathurst cars from the mid-'70s that are going to be wheeled out too. Yeah, again, Classic's uh, doing something different here, doing low runs. So they're, they're sort of planning on 400-piece runs of each three uh, each of these cars, and uh, so the first one's the 1974 Bathurst second place car of Forbes and Negus. They're also doing the 75 Bathurst second place car uh, that was Bob Morris and Frank Gardner. And the third one they announced was the 1976 Bathurst fifth place car of Jansen and Bartlett. Now, good to see a couple of podium cars there, but you know they're just different liveries that. Um, just sort of add a bit of a highlight to your collection. 
Yeah, always good to see privateer cars being done. Obviously, the factory cars and the race-winning cars get done um, and, and are very well documented and are very well sought after. But I know there's a lot of collectors, not just the model cars, but in the whole motorsport community, they love to see those uh, privateer cars or the cars that are not as well represented in history uh, get a run. So that's really great. That's a, yeah. a model that um, sounds like it's going to be a, a real hit with a lot of collectors. And just getting back yeah. to covering off the, the Barry Seaton Midge Bosworth Cortina, which will fill the Bathurst 118th collections of a lot of people. It's a nice link to because you are one of the stockists, in fact, one of our great stockists, of a new book that we've announced just recently about Barry Seaton's son, Glenn, who, of course, has had an amazing career. Sadly, he doesn't come in that list of Bathurst-winning model car drivers, uh, but mm. he's had an amazing career, and um, that's said to be a big book. Yeah, well, that um, bit of information came across our desk this week, and uh Looking forward to a book dedicated to Glenn Seaton. So uh, what can we expect in it, mate? Well, uh, guilty as charged. I'm publishing it, so I should know, shouldn't I? Uh, <laughs> you should. Re- really exciting. I, and I know this is a model podcast, but it does connect nicely to the, the Seaton side of things. Uh, this is the official racing history of Glenn Seaton. It's a hardcover uh, book. It's going to retail for ninety nine ninety five. Of course, you can order it through motorfocus.com.au and stock up on the pre-orders and make sure you don't miss out. It's due out at the end of this season, uh, at the end of the calendar year in 2020. Uh, it's going to cover Glenn's full racing career from when he was a kid. He was five months old at Bathurst in 65 when his dad won the race in that uh, Cortina wow. GT500, which uh, lives on. It's spent a lot of time in recent years at the National Motor Racing Museum at Mount Panorama. Uh, we'll cover it all. Uh, Stefan Bartholomeus, who is the uh, digital editor of supercars.com and a former Speed Cafe journo. He's an award-winning journo. He's a great friend of ours. And he is uh, spearheading the editorial of the book and has been spending a lot of time with Glenn in the last couple of weeks up there on the Gold Coast and getting some of the great stories from over the years and his memories and his recollections. And uh, he he opens up, oh, I've got to say, having read some of the drafts of some of the early chapters, uh, I've read some things that I've never heard him talk about before, which is going to be something that uh, will make a nice big coffee table book packed with colour photos, uh, packed with some black and white early stuff. And uh, we're going to do the car-by-car history of the Sierras and Falcons from his team from GSR and Ford Tickford Racing did it ran under there for a little while. So that's said to be a big one. You're one of the stockists. We're the publisher, so uh, we're all in it together, mate. So anyone who's listening looking Excellent. to pick up a copy and a, a tribute to the great Glenn Seaton, and I'm sure in um, upcoming years when we can all get back to car racing events in person, Seto uh, will be only too happy to sign plenty of those. Hey, question and answer. It has been a big week on the email box. Um, we can't get through them all, but we'll do our best. Uh, sure. Dim, Brenton Thorpe asks, this is a good one. He says, firstly, I love the podcast. Well, if you start like that with a question, you will always get it asked. Uh, secondly, I was wondering if a model of the number 46 VR Commodore V8 supercar of John Faulkner Racing, so that's the better electrical Fisher Paykel car, uh, was ever made. It's commonly referred to as Beth because it's an XHRT car, which is very true. That's what the team at HRT nicknamed it when they built it. He said, I know there's some of his Asia Online VT Commodores floating around on eBay. Um, and he's also asked, are there any Aussie NASCAR or OS cars that raced at the Thunderdome that have ever been produced as models? Uh, what's your take? Any more Faulkner? Any more Thunderdome stuff? Mm, well, thank you, Brenton, for your question. Uh, but unfortunately, no model has been made of Faulkner's VR. But you're correct about the VT. Uh, also, no such luck with any Thunderdome race cars in model form at this stage as well. 
So not much joy there for Brenton. Uh, you've uh, swung out both times there. Unfortunately, that one's gone through to the keeper. We haven't been able to connect and send it over to the uh, over the fence. I do remember vaguely, remember Terry Wyhoon had a BP car care uh, Oscar and later Ford Thunderbird NASCAR. I got a really weird feeling that there was a special BP car care. Maybe one of our listeners can send us in a note during the week, but I got a weird feeling there was a mm-hmm. almost like a matchbox car uh, livery okay. put on a, um, a Thunderbird NASCAR that might have existed. I'm not sure if it was a, a retail product through uh, through service stations or uh, a retail product, but I got a weird feeling I remember seeing one of those over the years. So, but when you think about it, Dim, uh, just to extend on the point. Uh, John Faulkner's better electrical Fisher and Paykel car was the top privateer car in the 90s. He put it in the shootout at Bathurst in 96 when uh, privateers generally didn't make the top 10 shootout at Bathurst. Um, he won the Privateers Cup in that car. He finished fourth with Win Percy at Bathurst in 1997. Uh, and that, that actual chassis ended up living a long life with a bunch of other drivers. Cam McConville, Paul Umbrella as a youngster, uh, a range of other interesting drivers drove that car in different liveries over the years. So uh, given uh, it's classic, isn't it, that have got a VR, VS uh, mould, uh, that'd be a cool one for them to do. Yeah, it's definitely worth uh, having a good look at. Um, the other option is always there's the old Code 3 world, but, um, it, you know, a car like that probably deserves to, um, you know, be put out there for uh, for order. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a bit of a hit. Uh, Daryl Hamilton's question, Dim, future plans for the Motor Focus store. Have you got some upgrades or anything that you would like to add to it? Uh, he's made a suggestion here that maybe you could have a motorsports quiz night to get people in, and the prize can be a model to the winner. Now, Daryl sounds like he's angling for a model car there, my friend, but, hey, if you don't ask, you don't receive. Yes, well, maybe Daryl's very knowledgeable and uh, knows he's going to win. So, <laughs> look, look, I'm pretty happy with the way the shop is at this stage, but I always love a good upgrade, so we'll keep looking at where we need to improve. Um, mail order side of our business, you know, some of... Our equipment's been upgraded, definitely. Um, so we've got a bit of room to grow in the future, uh, depending on what's required. So having a quiz night, yeah, it's a pretty cool idea. Um, it's maybe something we can we can utilise at the next Christmas party that we that we have once a year and um, see if Daryl can take out the uh, the honours there. Well, Dim, if you do have that, I know a guy who could write the questions and make them really, really hard. So as mm. if anyone wins a model and prizes it out of your hands, they have had to work unbelievably hard or they were very good at sneaking a look at Google on their phone during the quiz. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. We'll, uh, we'll hit you up for that. Okay. Uh, Nick's got a question here, Dim, and this is for drag racing fans. There's plenty of drag fans out there. He's asking, are there going to be any more Australian drag racing model cars made from Bianti? Well, thanks again, Nick, for the question. Uh, I've given a call to Richard from Bianti, and he tells me that the uh, Zaps wrap that they did, uh, they were very happy with, very popular. So they are on the lookout for other models to develop. So maybe if we've got some good ideas, uh, shoot them through and we'll, we'll pass them on. And, and Zaps Rat is the HQ Holden that John Zapier raced uh, in, in drag racing. And there's probably... Uh, and this is only fresh in my mind because at the moment uh, I'm working on a, a Holden history book called Racing the Line. It's an illustrated history of uh, of Holden in Australian motorsport. You can uh, pre-order your copy through motorfocus.com.au, of course. Uh, 
And looking back at some of the old drag cars from over the years, I mean, Hans Van Dyke raced a, a HRT liveried VN Pro Stock Commodore that I reckon would be a, a big hit. Um, of course, there's the, the Morris Fabietti car of recent years with its range of different liveries with AC Delco, but I guess it's the tooling that's the hard part here because these cars are quite bespoke. They're, no real car is the same. Yeah, correct. That's that's always the issue with, with doing something out of the box, hence why Zaps Rat was done in the resin format. Um, but we've also got a couple of cars from the Victor Bray uh, stable, his 57 Chev and Ben Bray's Corvette in, in recent times, and they are die-cast, all opening parts, stunning models, to be honest. And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Nick's already got those two in his collection. And those models do not turn corners very well at all. Um, Ray Savage, next question. Is anyone planning on making the Brabham BT62 in model form? Of course, that's the uh, supercar that's been developed by David Brabham and the modern Brabham organisation in recent times that we've seen uh, on various tracks around the country over the last year or two. Yeah. So uh, thanks for the question, uh, Roy. He's a, he's a good uh, customer of ours and... Um, so, again, ran this one by Richard, and uh, he said it has been discussed by at least one brand, but he hasn't heard anything for a while. So, not sure if that one's going ahead, but I'm sure he'll uh, he'll keep checking in and uh, trying to push that one across the line. It's an amazing-looking car. I reckon there's a lot of Brabham collectors out there who've got plenty of uh, Brabham Formula 1 cars from over the years that would uh, readily accept that one into their collection. Uh, next question, Robbie McGregor. Uh, I'll try that again. Robbie McGregor, try saying that six times fast after a drink or two, uh, says, can you ask Dimitri, so therefore I'm asking Dimitri, is Apex going to make the Michael Caruso 2016 Darwin winning Nissan Altima in 143rd scale? And he's got a special reason why he asks this, because he's chasing down all the race winners from 1997 onwards in the Supercars Championship. He is going to have a mammoth collection. I don't know where he's going to put them all, but if they make that extra Nissan, uh, I don't know, he's going to run out of room, but any plans of a, a Nissan Altima to fill that hole in his collection? Mm. Thanks, Robbie, for the question. And uh, I didn't know you've had six drinks this morning, mate, so uh, good <laughs> on you. Look, it's another one I checked uh, with Red, with Richard. Unfortunately, no plans. Uh, this is probably a model that's going to fall in the Code 3 creation category. Um, now, if you're chasing someone down to do race car Code 3s, uh, I'd be looking up a gentleman by the name of Daniel. He runs DC Customs on Facebook, and uh, he's definitely a man to talk to about you know filling some of those gaps in, in your unique collection. I reckon if uh, Robbie wants to try to go in and uh, get a better deal done, that he we probably need to link him up with Caruso because... I think Caruso's pretty keen for a model himself of his own car. I think he's upset that it hasn't been made, so this might be the only way that he gets to get one. Yeah, well, I think that will be the case. And uh, I lucky lucky enough, last year we went for a, a ride day 
thanks to uh, Authentics, and I got in the car with Caruso, and he said, oh, what do you do? And I said, I sell model cars, and he goes, oh, you're going to be my best friend. So <laughs> he, he obviously loves them. No, he does. He does, particularly the ones that win. Uh, he's always yeah. quite handy as well. Uh, Luke Batterston asks, uh, what is the V8 Sleuths and Dimitri's favourite model in their collection? So I guess you can go first. Mm. What's, what's the favourite model yeah. in your collection? Well, hi, Luke. But, uh, I did answer it last uh, last podcast, but just to recap, it was the 2006 Bathurst winner of Lounge and Wing Cup. But uh, what about you, Aaron? I had to think long and hard about this during the week before we recorded this episode, and um, I had to play it off the – what's my favourite or what's the first one I would save if the office went up in flames? I crossed my fingers as I said that too, by the way. Uh, yeah, for me, good idea. Yeah, for me – it's the 2004 Bathurst winning Kmart Spider-Man Commodore VY, the Greg Murphy, Rick Kelly car. So only two years ahead of uh, your Bathurst winner as your your favourite pick. Reasoning being for me, um, it's got decent value because I know they didn't do an absolute pile of them. Uh, I was the PR manager for Kmart Racing in the 2004 championship from the midpoint of the year onwards when I joined uh, Pemberton Publicity, which was the, the company that provided PR services to uh, Holden Motorsports. So, and I worked quite heavily with uh, a fellow called Andrew Malcolm, who's a former VFL umpire, who uh, was the commercial manager at the race team at the time on that whole uh, Spider-Man deal. It was very complex to, obviously, anything involving licensing is um, a big effort, and uh, it was able to tie in with a Kmart toy sale uh, promotion that was about to start just after Bathurst. So, uh, hence how we managed to get Spider-Man on the car, and then we left it there actually for. Uh, the Gold Coast, because then Greg Murphy won at the Gold Coast, uh, and then Rick Kelly won a race in Tasmania, but then he blew his engine. So uh, we figured okay. we figured that the good luck had run out by then. So the Spider Man livery came off for the last round at Eastern Creek uh, when uh, the guys actually swapped cars. Murph took over Rick's wow. um, Bathurst winning chassis, and Rick got Murph's, which might sound like he got a downgrade, but the car he was driving was in fact the 2003 uh, Lap of the Gods Bathurst 1000 winning Kmart car, albeit in. Number 15, yeah. So for me, there's a personal connection uh, as to why that model is um, is special to me, and uh, I think I got a good deal on it through the team. So uh, that's even better, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, look, if you, uh, you're happy, I'll give you 200 bucks for it. I'm not happy. You can keep your 200 bucks. Damn it. <laughs> hey, good try. Uh, that sounded like a very good attempt at being a good second-hand car dealer, uh, which is a nice segue into our second-hand market segment where we like to look at uh, models that have been out for a while that either are uh, trending in terms of their value uh, or are topical in what's going on in, in motorsport. And last episode, we covered off the Nations Cup Monaros, the Bathurst 24-hour winning cars, uh, and the various uh, types that have been produced over the years and the values and um, which ones to keep an eye out for. So we thought on this episode we would wind the clock back and go to the early Monaros from the 60s. So we're, we're going back to the HKs and the um, uh, the HTs, the 327 power planted car of, of 68 and the 350 cubic inch from 69. So, I mean, you can't start anywhere else, Dim, than the first Bathurst winning Holden, the 68 uh, winner of Bruce McPhee, Barry Mulholland, 13D. I think it was Warwick Yellow, the colour of... That car, uh, that's pretty hard to find. I don't have one of those in my collection. Uh, what was the scenario behind that car and what's it worth now? Yeah, very cool model. Uh, so Bianchi, have, have the, they're the only ones that have produced 
the early Monaro race cars uh, at this stage. So the 1968 Bathurst winner, there was a run of uh, 4,000 done. It was released in 2005. And uh, because of its rarity, you can expect to pay, I'll say, 650 to $700 for one of them. Uh, now, I heard Bruce McPhee drove every lap except for one. <laughs> yes. Is that correct? Yeah, he did. It was a thing that he had at the time because they brought in a rule that said that uh, you had to have a co-driver. And he didn't really like, he didn't like that. He wanted to drive the whole way himself. And in those days, uh, it was a 500-mile race. So it was 130 laps, not the 161 that we're so used to now. So to tick the box and make sure that he didn't get in trouble with the rule makers, um, he brought his mate Barry Mulholland along with the very strict instruction that he did one lap. So Bruce would get out, Barry would get in, drive around a lap, come back into the pits, Bruce would take back over and race onto the flag. Which you, wow. you could never do. And they didn't just do it that year that they won in 68. They did it in multiple years and they were a very uh, successful combination at the mountains. So uh, that's actually one of the models I'd really like to grab. Uh, and I think they did, what, 4,000 of those. So um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a decent production number, but it's 15 years ago that they were made. So um, hence why the, the value is pretty solid. Uh, in that race, the runner-up car, which was the uh, Holden Dealer Racing Team car, the Jim Palmer Phil West 24D car. Uh, now, that's a little different in terms of what was produced and when and how, but it shows, I guess, from the numbers of its value uh, that if you ain't the winning car, you don't carry as much cachet, really, do you? Unfortunately, not. So, uh, yeah, this this uh, beautiful old rig, uh, the 24D car, was like a Warwick yellow and it had a black bonnet, black boot uh, with the sort of red stripes over over it so it was pretty cool looking uh a thousand and eight were produced back in 2013 and if you find one yeah i think 250 to 300 is a fair price for that one yeah um, and i was gonna to say too mate that one of those hdrt cars uh was unearthed in uh, recent years by uh, an owner who had a monaro wasn't sure what it was and it turned out to be one of those cars and off the top of wow. my, off the top of my head i can't remember which one of them it was, whether it was this 24D car or one of the sister cars. But nevertheless, it's great to know that those cars are around. And I think a lot of people get confused um, by the 68 HDRT and the 1969 HDT. Uh, Holden Dealer Racing Team was run for Bathurst 68 by David Mackay, the Scuderi Veloci uh, concern from Sydney. So at the time, of course, Holden weren't um, officially supporting motorsport because GM in America... Uh, wouldn't allow them to, but of course they found a way at the back door to assist things. So HDRT of nineteen sixty eight was different to HDT Holden Dealer Team uh, that was set up with Harry Firth for for nineteen sixty nine. So a little bit of a yeah. distinguish okay. distinguishing element between those two years and and those two programs, which probably takes us quite nicely onto sixty nine and uh, the winning car of Colin Bond and Tony Roberts, the forty four D Monaro GDS three fifty. Of course, Bondy's only. Bathurst winner, but he's the only driver in the history of the sport to win Bathurst, the Australian Touring Car Championship, and the Australian Rally Championship. I can't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, this one's surely, given all of those elements, got to have a decent value still. Yeah, sure does. Uh, purely being a Bathurst winner drags it way up, and um, like you say, combine it with uh, Colin Bond. Uh, white car with the sort of olive green bonnet. Um, again, just distinctive sort of liveries of the time. 
production run of 5,000 all the way back in 2003. And if you find someone that wants to sell one, expect to pay 650 to 700 bucks for that one. Okay, so they're holding. So basically, you want those two Bathurst winning Monaros, they're around uh, the same number. What about the Brock? Des West car that finished third in 69, the sister to the winner, number 43D uh, of PB and Des West. Now, that, I think, was released around the same time as the Bond car, and there were more of them, so I presume that even though it's a Brock car, it probably doesn't quite have the same price, but not far away. Yeah, well, it was Brock's uh, debut at Bathurst, so significant car in his his collection. Uh, like you say, a production run of 6,000 released in 2003 as well, and I think about the 600 marks a fair price for Brocky's car there. Okay, and one of the things that uh, people might have forgotten about, that the last Monaro to race at Bathurst was actually in the mid-70s, uh, a HQ Monaro GDS 350 sedan with Ron Dixon and Pat Cray. That real car was still around. I saw it at Muscle Car Masters in uh, very recent years, I think that had a pretty low production run from memory as a model, and it would probably hold pretty strong value considering it's it's not a famous Monaro, but it is the last Bathurst Monaro of the, the great race era. Yeah, look, only 800 were produced, and I'd put a value on that around three three fifty. Uh, it's just a, a cool model to have with its significance. But were there many other HQ to sort of HZ Monaros even raced at Bathurst? Not in the 1,000. No, not in the great race. No. It was the car. I think it did the two years in 73 and 74 from memory. And if any of our listeners have seen, I think it's the documentary that's on one of the old videos that have been released over the years from the 73 race in colour. There's in-car vision from the first lap of the race, and it was shot from a film camera, not a TV broadcast one, in that HQ Monaro, the Ron Dixon car, um, climbing the mountain for the first lap. So if you've ever seen the, the doco vision, that is the car mm. that... Uh, that vision was shot from. So, yeah, plenty on the second-hand market to uh, keep us all interested, and that's a bit of a snapshot of the Bathurst Monaros of uh, the late 60s and, indeed, that last HQ in the, the mid-70s. If you've got a suggestion on a theme or a topic for us to have a look at from a second-hand market point of view, uh, send in your, your message or your question via Motofocus Facebook page or you can email sales at motorfocus.com au and we'll pick the best topics to focus in on in upcoming episodes. I wanted to also feature, Dim, a little product. We're running out of time, so we'll race through it, but I think having add-ons to model cars is important, and some collectors uh, enjoy them more than others, but things like trophies, and we're seeing more and more of these trophies produced. Uh, little newspaper, We One, remember those banners that they used to hold up at Bathurst in, in the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s. Uh, but the trophies, I reckon it's become a modern thing with the Peter Brock trophy being sold with uh, the Bathurst winning cars of whoever's producing them from whatever company. But uh, there's actually replica trophies of the earlier years of Bathurst being made that uh, you can buy for very small price to add to your collection to have with the respective car. It's pretty cool. Yeah, sure is. Look, I, I think all those little extras that we're sort of trying to get hold of just brings your collection alive. You know, it, it just gives it another sort of cool thing to look at. Uh, so we've sourced these these really cool little uh, trophy replicas uh, from a local lad in Perth, and uh, Dion's sort of worked out a way to produce these little trophies. Um, so at the moment, we've got the 81 to 87 Hardy Ferrado trophy. We've got the 88 to 91 two-ease trophy. 
and the 92 to 95 to his trophy as well. So you can find them on our website. Just look for the accessories section and uh, you'll see them all there. And, of course, 81 to 87, that James Hardy trophy is the famous one. I, I think that's the, the iconic Bathurst trophy of all the trophies. Uh, the, mm. the, uh, it, was the, well, it was the one that Brock won just about every year there for a couple of years in a row, but uh, it had the, the really pointy top on it with the round, um, almost plate-like middle, uh, and that trophy is actually in the Bathurst Museum. Uh, the real thing is still there. And then the Tui's trophy from 88 to 91 that you mentioned, that was sort of more a black glass um triangular, um, long, quite a long, tall trophy, wasn't it, that um, was in the era that they had the Tui's Top Gun. I'm not sure yeah. if Dion's going to be any good at making those Top Gun Tui's jackets that the drivers wore on the podium, but that might be a challenge <laughs> for a him. Shot. Yeah, that might be a challenge for him for another day. And, and then yeah. later in the Tui's era, from 92 to 95, they had those Waterford Crystal trophies that were um, much smaller and much less obvious, but they certainly looked like they were... a a, uh, a very valuable thing that you wouldn't want to have dropped on a podium. So that's really cool. 118 scale replica Bathurst winner trophies. Uh, jump on the Motorfocus website, jump into the accessory section, and you can uh, add a few niceties to your model collection to make it look the part. Um, we teased it earlier on, Dimitri. We're nearly at the end of episode three. It's been great to sit down and talk to you. This is our longest podcast so far because there's been so much to talk about and I've got a funny feeling in episode four we will go just about this long if not a bit longer because we have a special guest uh, drum roll please who is it that we will be speaking to in a fortnight's time yeah well look forward to uh, grilling Richard Poole who is the managing director of uh, Bianti Model Cars and Apex Replicas next week uh, next show, sorry. Uh, so if you've got any questions you want us to put to him, definitely let us know and um, we'll, we'll get stuck into him. <laughs> we're going to grill him and we're going to get stuck into him. I've got a funny feeling he's not going to want to come on the podcast now with a fortnight's time. Hey, uh, and to reiterate, if you've got any questions for Richard from a, a Bianchi or Apex point of view or maybe the model car industry overall, manufacturing offshore or co- how COVID-19 has affected the industry or, or Richard, and I know Richard's got a, a really long, great history in collecting and through Bianchi, went and set up uh, Apex, ended up back in uh, at Bianchi when uh, when Apex was acquired. Uh, so he's a guy with a lot of experience and a lot of insight and a lot of knowledge and uh, is the first of our chats of some people in the industry who we will be having a chat to in upcoming uh, episodes. And if you do have a question, as Dim said, for Richard, send it through the Motor Focus Facebook page or you can email it through to sales at motorfocus.com.au. And, of course, jump on the Motor Focus website. You can join the newsletter to join the club and pick up a 5% discount. Uh, Dim, this is the time where you plug the address for the store and tell people to come on in and see you. So where can they find you if they're wanting to come in in person? Okay, well, I'm not always there, but when I do go to work, it's Unit 9, number one Stockwell Place at Archerfield. In Queensland, for those who... In Queensland, might yeah. Might know where Archerfield is. Uh, yeah. That, that's the state that us Victorians are currently banned from coming anywhere near. Yeah, yeah, sort your stuff out, please. Yeah. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. Hey, uh, it's been great to go through the Motor Focus Model podcast. We have had uh, a great response to the first couple of editions. We're ticking away. This thing's getting bigger and better every time that we talk. There is so much uh, in Collector World for us to talk about in new releases and new arrivals and the secondhand market. We will keep doing it. Uh, Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and you'll get the notification whenever the new one goes live. Uh, Tell all your mates about it. Share it on the Uh, various Facebook pages and all the Facebook groups and all the places around. We want to involve as many people as we can who can uh, 
really engage and enjoy and be enthusiastic about this uh, whole collecting world that we certainly are. Uh, Dim, it's been a pleasure again, mate. We've covered a lot of ground in Episode 3. Can't wait to chat to Richard Poole in Ep 4 and uh, uh, all the best for the next two weeks before we chat again. Yeah, look forward to the next one. And thanks again, Aaron, and thanks to all our listeners. Great to have you again. Dimitri Camino with us from motorfocus.com.au. In the meantime, I'm Aaron Noonan. Ep 3 is in the books of the Motorfocus Model Podcast. Join us in a fortnight's time for Ep 4 when we chat to the big cheese of the anti-model cars, Richard Poole. We'll join you then.